Hi everyone, happy Wednesday. I hope you can hear me today. Sorry about last week, it did get a little bit crazy. I wanna to talk to you today about making the Bible come alive in your life. As I said just a few moments ago, I wanna to talk to you today about making the Bible come alive in your life. I know that sometimes when you read the Bible, it doesn't seem to make a difference in your life because you can't understand it or because you can't relate to it or so on and so forth. The first thing, however, that I do need to mention that is the most important thing that I just do want to touch on, but we're not going to discuss that at all in any detail today, is being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say this, once you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you can ask the Lord what he meant by the things that he put in the Bible and you can hear the Lord on the inside of you. This only comes when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to people who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. He absolutely does. The problem is when you pray in your native language, whether it's out loud or it's in your mind, then anyone can influence the answer. Meaning, if you pray in English, the wicked one and his armies can't hear you and they can respond and tell you a lie. I'll give you an example. One of the women that I used to preach to in the prisons swore up and down that God told her to kill her four children. Now we all know that that's not the case, that God doesn't instruct women to kill their children. Because she prayed in English and was not baptized in the Holy Spirit, she left herself open to being deceived by the wicked one, which of course she was. This you find in the Old Testament, for instance with Gideon. Gideon had to put a fleece on the ground and say, Lord, if this is really you, then make the dew go everywhere but the fleece. And then the next night, Lord, if it's really you, make the dew go on the fleece. That's because he didn't have an inner witness telling him, yes, this is me. Yes, this is what you do. So he had to fleece God, as it's called. So what I'm telling you is that if you really want to make the Bible come alive in the in the way that God intended for it to, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the reason for that is so that you can speak in tongues. And when you speak in tongues, you are able to look at the scriptures, pray in tongues, not only get revelation that you didn't ask for by reading the Bible, but when you don't understand something, you can pray in the Spirit and then the Lord sends the answer back to you through the Holy Spirit and it has an inner witness with your spirit so that you have a knowing on the inside of you. I don't find that with people who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not what we're going to talk about today. I'm not getting into baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you want more information on being baptized with the Holy Spirit or if you would like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, please hit me up on our website www.waterwindwine.org or you can hit us up on our Facebook page www.ministries and I will be happy to answer those questions. But for now, this is for anybody, whether you are baptized in the Holy Spirit or not baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is one way that I have learned to make the Bible come alive. It's a very universal way to apply the scripture to our mind. Now, the first verse I'm going to read is just to set up my biblical soundness for this teaching. This teaching isn't going to last very long, but 
follow me to Romans 1.21. I'm going to put it on the screen because I'm going to use the King James Version of this verse. Now this Bible I'm holding is a new King James Version and it doesn't give the same impact as the King James Version. So read along with me Romans 1.21 from the King James Version. Because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Notice it said they became vain in their imaginations. What that means is to be divided in your imagination. And what is your imagination? Your imagination is something that you use when you're a child and when you're just laying around wasting time, you're working in your imagination. When you're watching television, your mind is imagining things. When you're reading a book, your mind is imagining things. So when you become vain in your imagination, what that means is that you become divided. In other words, you're thinking about one thing, you're imagining one thing, and then all of a sudden it switches, okay? And that is a vain imagination. And so what happens when you do that is that you divide it and you cannot receive from God if you have a divided mind. Okay, I want you to look at Genesis chapter 11 with me. And in Genesis chapter 11, that's the story of Babel. And if you've read that story, I'm going to read the verse in just a second. But if you've read that story, you'll remember that the people in Babylon, and I did do a series on this, in Babylon were building this tower and God went down to see what they were up to. And one of the statements he made was that nothing would be impossible to them if they could imagine it. Let's read along Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. And the Lord said, Indeed the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they imagine to do will be withheld from them. I put in the word imagine right there, even though I was reading from the New King James, because in the original King James Version, the word purpose is imagine. I've put the original King James Version on the screen for you. So God said that whatever you imagine, it will not be impossible for you. So if you have a vain imagination or a divided imagination, then what you do imagine will be impossible. This is really important because what happens is people get stuck. When they're young, they have dreams, they have visions for their life, and then they get divided in their imagination in just a very natural sense and they have to work and they have to provide and they have to do all this so their dreams their imaginations go by the wayside in general if they are able to hold on to their imaginations through all of that and their dreams then likely they're gonna make their dreams manifest now how does that affect the Word of God how does this relate to making the Bible come alive I'm really glad you asked. So the Lord gave me this little trick that I'm about to teach you a long, long time ago. And I want you, whether you're baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, to start employing this trick, especially in these end times, because this is going to make the Bible come alive for you. And once the Bible comes alive for you, a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, you're not going to forget it. It's going to be like a movie over and over in your mind and in your heart. Number two, you're going to desire it more. You're going to have a craving for it more the same way you do with anything else that is taking hold of your mind. Now of course please understand that I do want you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit but if you're not and if you're still struggling with that God's Word is still for you and you can still have a mighty impact using God's Word on your life. 
Now I'm going to read the story of the gathering demoniac and I'm going to read it from Luke chapter 8. So while I read Luke chapter 8, I would like you to imagine yourself in the story. I'm going to stop during the story and tell you what to imagine, but please don't open your eyes. I want you to stay in the story. Here we go. Luke chapter 8 verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, I want you to not open your eyes, I want you to keep your eyes closed. And you've just come off of a boat, there are no docks. You can't get on to dry land unless you walk through the water. I want you to imagine yourself walking through the water. Now remember that Jesus had just calmed the storm and all of a sudden they're translated to across the Sea of Galilee. So you're very happy about being able to get out on the boat and not be drowning in the water. The water is lapping up on your feet and it's a little bit cold, but it's okay because you're very happy. You can feel the sand in the water, the current and the tide pulling it away from your feet as you walk onto the dry ground on the beachhead. When you get there, there's an entire company. It's not just your people. It's not just Jesus. You're there and you're, you're dealing with your own emotions about the storm that's just happened to you that Jesus just calmed. And now you're getting onto the beach. Now in your heart, you're thinking, thank God I'm on the beach and I didn't drown. But also who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? So you're a little taken aback by Jesus at this moment. And you're a little bit retracted from your love for him because you're just in awe of him. You're amazed at him, but you're like, whoa. So you're getting off of the boat, out of the water, onto the beach, and, the, and now you've got onto the beach, and the sand is warm on your feet, and you can feel it. And all of a sudden, these two crazy men, who you can see are crazy, come running up to you, naked as the day they were born, cut up, filthy, dirty, and they fall at Jesus' feet. Then there met him a certain man. Now, there is a version that says there, there were two men, so we are going to go with two men. He might have had two personalities, but, but we're going to go with two men. From the city who had demons for a long time, he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of God Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. While I'm speaking, I want you to remember, remember what I just read to you, and I want you to think about it this way. You've just come off the boat. You can feel the sand and the heat start to dry the bottom of your clothes and your feet and you're just awe-stricken by who Jesus is and what he's just done. And there comes these naked men that are cut all up and they, they fall at Jesus' feet and they're crying. They come running to him and you're seeing them and you're kind of freaked out because naked, dirty, cut up men are running at you. I want you to imagine that. And so they come running to you and they fall at Jesus' feet and they start telling Jesus who he is. He's the son of the most high and please don't torment us and this and that, right? And so you're like, whoa, because remember when you were on the boat, you asked in your heart, who is this man that even the sea and the wind obey him? And now you've got these crazy people who can identify who this man is. You're tripping just a little bit. And so Jesus casts out the demons 
and they say, please let us go into the, to the pigs that are feeding over there. And you're like, where, what pigs? You're so focused on this crazy man and Jesus and the waves and the, everything that you don't even see the stupid pigs. And you're Jewish. You're not supposed to be around pigs anyways. And Jesus says, go. And this isn't how people cast out demons. This isn't how people deal with crazy people. People bind crazy people. You can see that that's not how people deal with crazy people because this man has got chains on his ankles and chains on his hands and he's broken them. He's got the might of 2,000 or a legion of demons on the inside of him. And he broke these chains and you're like, whoa, oh my gosh. I want you to imagine this in your head. If you've opened your eyes, close your eyes. Imagine this naked guy, skinny cut up, funky, stinking, gross, gnarly teeth, black teeth with broken chains. And you know good and well that there's not a tool that can break these chains off this guy. And you only know that he's broken them off of himself. And he's bloody and nasty. And he's saying, please don't torment us. And you're thinking to yourself, how is Jesus going to torment you? Look, looks like you've been through a lot of torment already on your own. How in the world is Jesus Christ going to torment you anymore? But you realize and something else, something bigger is going on. And he says, please permit us to go into the swine. And Jesus just says, go. And then you look over and you're like, what swine? I want you to look in your mind's eye. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to look to one side or the other and see a huge herd, thousands of pigs feeding on whatever they can find, tearing up the ground, rooting around, just a herd of pigs. And all of a sudden, these pigs, they all, with one accord, raise their heads and they all snort and take off running and they dive off the cliff and into the water and smash on the rocks below. Now I want you to open your eyes. That's the way that you need to read the story of the gathering demoniac. In fact, that's the way that you need to read every story that you encounter in the Bible. Because now that I've made you imagine this in your mind's eye, you're never going to forget it. Because now it's like a movie. It's like something that you actually saw with your own eyes. Do you know that science has told us that whether somebody dreams or imagines something or actually experiences it, their body knows no different. That's why you can use meditation. You can say, okay, I'm going to walk into the office and I see myself doing this and I see myself doing that. And then you can carry it out. It's easier because you've already imagined it. That's why flight simulators work because they've already imagined it. You see it before you actually physically see it. And so it's real to you. And so that's how the Bible needs to be. Whether you're baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, I want you to start reading the Bible like that. That's how I want you to, to read it. Don't worry about speed. Just take it a couple verses at a time and imagine the story going on in your head. It'll help you to remember the Bible. It'll help you to experience the Bible. It'll help you to apply the Bible. Of course, there is no substitute for being baptized in the Holy Spirit, studying the Bible. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. If you're not there yet, if you are not studying the Bible yet, this is the first step that you need to take. It's going to create a craving, a desire on the inside of you to seek more. The same way that you seek your favorite type of movie, the same way that you seek your favorite type of music, it's going to cause you to want to seek the Word of God more. And it's really going to help you because God's going to draw out all kinds of revelation that's applicable to your life and to the lives of those around you just by reading the Bible in this way.
Well, I hope this little video has helped you. And please, if you have any questions or if you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, please hit me up on those channels that I mentioned before. If you are not saved and you would like a relationship with Jesus Christ, please don't let another minute pass before you make a move. You don't need me, but I'm willing to help you walk through the salvation process. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come save me. I'm an idiot. You're right. I'm wrong. That's it. That's it. If you have any other questions or if you would like a little more formal guidance or formal prayer, please hit me up on WWW Ministries on Facebook or www.waterwindwine.org on our website and just shoot me a quick contact email and I'll be happy to help. Remember that I love you and most importantly, Jesus loves you. Thank you.